listening to the Retail Razor Show, where your expert hosts and their guests cast through the clutter in retail and retail tech to shape the future of retail. Hello and welcome to a special Season 2, Episode 10, Part 4 of the Retail Razor Show. This is the fourth in our multi-part series recorded live and in person at the NRF 2023 show in January. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. And I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. Welcome to the Retail Razor Show, retail's favorite podcast for product junkies, commerce technologists, and everyone else in retail and retail tech alike. And once again, for this special bonus, welcome NRF fans to our hot take hashtag NRF Live miniseries. So Casey, we are here again with our podcast crossover event with Jeff Roster and the This Week in Innovation podcast. And thanks to our sponsor, Avanade, we were able to record this series live and in person at the NRF show in Avanade's fabulous lounge space overlooking the main expo floor. A big shout out to our friends at Avanade for giving you and Jeff such a great space to record from. They know how to get things done. Absolutely. So let's dive right into this week's discussion. Casey, when I say micro-fulfillment to you, what do you think of? And what would you say if I said micro-fulfillment specifically for dense urban locations? Hmm. Quick and smart fill-ins for your best sellers so you don't miss out on a sale? Uh-huh. Well, I think you're going to be fascinated by this discussion with our special guest, Gonan Gershuni, the VP of Sales at 1M Robotics. I have to say, when Jeff and I sat down with him in the lounge to talk about how they're transforming micro-fulfillment, especially for dense urban areas where, let's face it, you, you don't expect to find a lot of available space for really large micro-fulfillment centers. And, and yeah, I know it sounds kind of odd to say large micro-fulfillment centers, but that's the way the way it goes. But one of robotics, they're, they're talking about a fully automated micro-fulfillment center that's basically the size of a shipping container. And, and did I mention they can easily convert it into a fully automated store that's customer-facing? We're, we're going to hear about a lot of different possibilities and configurations of this technology. So the first thing I thought was, sounds expensive for a large micro-fulfillment center. Now I'm intrigued when you said shipping container. So I'm ready for it. And you know how much I love powering the future of e-commerce, and this sounds like something really interesting to help those use cases. Yeah, I 100% agree. So let's jump right in and listen to Jeff and my discussion with Gonan from 1M Robotics. Hey everyone, we are back at NRF 2023 with another special bonus episode in our series here. I'm Ricardo Belmar, and I'm here with my special guest host, Jeff Roster, host of This Week in Innovation. Ricardo, how are you doing today? I am doing great. A little tired at this point after I lost track of how many days this is again. We start each of these sessions trying to remember where are we? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? How far into the event are we? And... I guess that says it's kind of back to normal because in a normal NRF, I'd be lost by the time we get to the end. I can see the finish line. Yeah, there I you can go. see there it. You go. I can feel it. We're running through the tape, and what a tape it is to run through. What yeah. what an amazing week! Couldn't be prouder of of NRF, the industry, the tech community. They showed up strong, strong energy. Literally, literally at the end of the show, and they're still laughing. Some of your colleagues at Microsoft are toasting. I noticed, I noticed you're giving up the champagne <laughs> toast, just so you know. I'm not sure I would have done that. I know, but, uh, yeah, I know. So just a fantastic deal, excellent all around. Could not be happier, could not be prouder of the industry. Yep, I agree, I agree. And to that end, we are fortunate enough 
to have another special guest. So we're joined here by Godin Gershuning of 1M Robotics. And Godin, I think we're just going to jump right in. First of all, I'm, I'm super excited that we've got you some time with you here to record. But why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background, how 1M Robotics came to be, and what your solution is, how you're helping retailers, and, and give us the, the scoop on that. Sure. So, uh, Ricardo, Jeff, thanks so much for this opportunity. Couldn't be more excited to be here with you today. What an amazing stage this is. I mean, NRF, be back, be back, larger, bigger than ever. And uh, this is an amazing facility. Well done for the NRF crowd. Um, a bit about myself, Gonen Gershuni, VP Sales at Wanam Robotics. I joined the company a bit under a year and a half ago. Prior to that, I worked at another successful Israeli startup called Bring. They are also here. Shout out to the Bring team. You guys are I rocking it. Team, yeah. I met them. Yeah, I bumped into them. them. Yeah. So yeah. The, the only company that actually had a bottle of wine <laughs> that we toasted <laughs> while we were while, while we were talking uh, that, that that's a that's a first now i've had i've had people at at happy hour bring so, not in the middle of the day so that was that was a fun fun interview it's yeah it's always happy hour at israeli startups and israelis <laughs> like to party so it's a great it's a great company i worked at bring for about five years in various sales roles from business development to global partnerships sales overseeing various strategic initiatives so this gave me i would say a very rich and deep understanding and background on e-commerce, last mile fulfillment, and all that entails. Prior to that, I was about I was in performance marketing for about three to four years. So for the better part of the last decade and a bit more, I I'm, I've been in various high-tech companies in very at various life cycle life cycle stages, and very proud to be at Wanam Robotics today. In a nutshell, Wanam Robotics is a startup that's focused on automating hyperlocal logistics infrastructure. It's a mouthful, but this pretty much means that. We are creating urban facilities for last mile fulfillment that are leveraging automation and robotic technology to alleviate the main pain points of last mile. Those two, those are being, those are mainly two challenges, unit economics and scale, operating at scale while remaining ROI positive. And I think that was a mouthful, but I I'm, I'm like it so far. So let me ask you this, give us a little more, go down another layer and tell us how you're doing that. Okay, great. So let's first start with a quick background story or the origin story, as I like to say in comics, yeah. of One Robotics. One Robotics was founded by co-founder and CEO Ayal Yair and co-founder and COO Rui Tuval. Ayal is a seasoned entrepreneur, having led various startups. This is his fourth. Two were sold. One was less of a success story, but nonetheless a great experience to be had. And he brings a wealth of experience in sales, business development, and other related functions. Rui Tuval, a co-founder and COO, brings a rich background in robotics, hmm. photonics, and other related materials, material handling. The two collaborated as they got together to identify the main needs in last mile fulf or fulfillment infrastructure. And they saw that micro-fulfillment or just about any other large-sized facility leveraged today, that's a hotly contested field, a red ocean as, they, as it's typically called, meaning right, tons right. of competition, Tons of players operating in the space, and they're all great, formidable companies addressing some major pain points, but not last mile fulfillment, not rapid delivery. They are at best able to offer what's called same day order today, receive it later in the day toward the evening time, at best. Again, most of the time it's next day, but really they saw a major gap when it came to rapid delivery. And when we say rapid delivery, yes, it can be the quick commerce type of mm -hmm. delivery increments of 30 minutes and below, but... It's just about anything below two hours. And that was a, a really blue ocean. 
with tremendous opportunity and a major need from just about any retailer and CPG brand looking to address or to reach their customers in a closer and faster, timely manner. So they saw that there was zero automation in that space. And that's how they decided to form this company to create urban facilities that are way smaller. So we're talking about facilities that are about the size of a standard store, convenience store, et cetera. So think, some, think somewhere along the lines of hundreds to, to thousands in the few of square feet. Okay. So I take it then based on, on the size, right? When, you, when, when, I, to your point, when I think of micro-fulfillment, I think of a larger format, large store, not the size of a distribution center but, or fulfillment center, but something smaller than that. So clearly larger form factor than you're talking about, which I guess makes it difficult to put that in an urban environment because it's hard to find that large space. So is the idea here then that by doing this in that smaller format, you're able to get a higher density in an urban environment for someone that wants to do this kind of rapid delivery? It's twofold. First of all, spot on. Physically, it's very challenging to place a micro-fulfillment center in a dense urban metropolitan area. Think downtown Manhattan. It's impossible. Authorities wouldn't allow it. It's very costly, and it would create lots of friction because those facilities are predominantly not 100% automated. Now, let's take a facility that's about the size of a standard 7-Eleven store. Micro-fulfillment operators would not take such a project on. It's too small for them, and they also would have to adopt their technology solution to fit inside a way smaller form factor. And this is where we come in with our technology innovation. We're able to fit into very densely populated urban metropolitan areas and locate our or deploy our facilities within a very small retail footprint. By introducing automation, we're able to also do two things. For one, expedite workflows, alleviate the pain of the human workforce, and in doing so, also completely eliminate shrinkage, human error, mm-hmm. and other related challenges. So, so how automated are, are we talking about? Are you, are you saying this is, this is a fully automated facility or is very light to no human touch required? So we have two types of solutions, two types of installments, or two types of systems as we call them. One, an autonomous lights out facility. And that, as you said, Ricardo, is 100% lights out. Mm-hmm. An end-to-end automated facility. We've already got this deployed with various exciting customers around the world, such as Nespresso, such as AB InBev, etc. And that is a, a facility that requires zero headcount. Mm-hmm. A customer places an order on an online channel, and then our system does everything, picking, packing, and the, pushes out an order for a delivery guy to collect or a customer pickup. In addition to that, this can also serve returns and things are way faster and easier to do from one single, let's call it omni-channel presence. Second option or the second infrastructure that we've created is what's called collaborative automation. Hmm. In cases where the, the human workforce is still required to operate some sort of function within the facility, We expedite and simplify workflows by introducing automation into the game, Mm -hmm. taking a fully manually relying operation and adopting it to this new reality. Incorporating innovation into the story and automation makes things a lot faster. It's sort of like, think about the assembly line as it was first introduced in the days of Ford, all the way to where it's at today with Tesla. Mm -hmm. A lot more innovation a lot less reliance on a human workforce while still having some workforce, some, some work tasks done by the human operator. Now, you, you showed the, I can't even talk right now, my, my throat's so thrashed, the coffee example. How many SKUs was that in that automated footprint store? 
So in that specific facility, because we're talking about a rather limited product assortment to begin with, right? That's a few hundreds. Yeah. We can support all the way up to around 4,000 SKUs. And I would say another differentiating factor in our technology is that we also support Frozens. That's unheard of in warehousing automation. So 4,000 SKUs, what's a typical 7-Eleven? Less. Le- less than 4,000 yes. SKUs, okay. So All what- the US, for example, they're yeah. around, they're somewhere along the lines of 2,000. 2,000 SKUs. Average wow. quick commerce players between 1,500 to okay. 3,000 ma- max. We are, we are not trying to address a hypermarket. I am less relevant for that right. Costco, that Walmart, but mm-hmm. for the small format stores, for the convenience store chains, for consumer electronics small format stores like, the best, like best Buy is trying to now launch, this is a great fit. And this is where we play. We're playing in the fast-moving goods line where we're talking about product assortment that you want to get out to your customers as fast as possible. Offer that brand new iPhone as fast as possible as you are doing the NPI. There's also a, almost a, lot, a loss prevention component to that too, I would assume. I'm, I'm, I'm in California and we have loss prevention is a major, major issue. Correct. You sort of solve that by no one's inside the, the store. Exactly. Wow, interesting. Yes, we provide the software suite as well. So we've developed our own WMS. It's not a must. It's not a mandatory element to, for our customers. But we do have live visibility and true inventory tracking at any single point. And this also allows us to provide demand forecasting, restocking and replenishment reporting, and other smart alerts to support our businesses with their mission-critical operations. I would also add that shrink is a major pain point because at the end of the day, when we're talking about consumer electronics, we, we, are operate, we are already working with some leading Apple distributors globally. And in many markets, the product it's, that is being sold might be more costly than the human workforce, one single human employee. And in such case, if you lose one iPhone, this is a major challenge for you as a business. Mm. And we're able to completely eliminate that by providing live visibility to each and every single SKU that we handle. That's so interesting. Wow. How many... Deployments do you have of that uh, that that example where it's literally? I mean, it's it's automation, but I mean, it almost feels like a giant giant you know kiosk. Yeah, right, right. So we've touched on an important point. Um, our system go, comes shipped in a container-sized form factor, meaning we use standard shipping containers to ship our systems globally by land or sea. This allows us to operate very flexibly and to ship out our system super fast. In addition to that, we can deploy the system just about anywhere, either as is, as a standalone unit within the container, and then it's a great way to address smaller towns, rural areas, and also deploy this next to a venue or wherever. Second option is to remove it from the container shell and just re- and place the system as is within a retail facility, within a retail real estate. In such case, it takes us about under two hours to deploy inside of a facility. So it's an off-the-shelf solution with almost with near zero launch time. So this for a business is a game changer. Yeah, so so you are in fact an automated store. Yes. I didn't realize that. Yeah. But I think that that's also but, a very- I mean, you're a, you're a really automated automated store. I mean, because you're not even, co- I guess the difference is, you know, some of the examples we look at, I don't want to say which which vendors, but I mean, you walk into the store, you pick it up, and right, you, you know, right. so shop and go or however you want to say right. it. You're not, I'm obviously not getting into the store, which makes you a perfect loss prevention scenario. Correct. But I would add, though, that in some cases, for example, let's think of Walgreens, okay? They work with Verizon. Verizon effectively gives them a store within a store, right? A designated section that's Mm -hmm. purely the product assortment that Verizon is selling at a Walgreens. 
we can also incorporate our system directly into a retail facility. So for example, this we, be, we can be talking to a retailer and he might be thinking, okay, how do I utilize this within my existing real estate network? They can just allocate or designate, designate a specific zone for us to, add, to automate. And then they can have one third store automated for e-commerce orders and deliveries and, collect, and customer pickups. And the other part, be experiential. Have the customers, the walk-in traffic roaming around the store doing their purchases. Not, nothing is interrupted. And mm-hmm. this allows me to avoid that friction of couriers coming in, flocking into the store while also having walk-in traffic mm-hmm. roaming around. Hmm. Interesting. But the, and then you, so it, you have lots of different ways and then you can operate because I, I'm assuming because of the automation, you could also operate in a truly totally dark, you, you mentioned before, a lights out mode, right? Where completely standalone, everything is, is packaged up. You just have whoever's doing the delivery basically picks it up. Yes. Right. I would also add that because it's, it's an automated robotic mechanism, we're able to also leverage, I would say, expansion dimensions. What I mean by that is that if, for example, the ceiling height within retail facility is around four meters, we're able to expand going higher, longer, or wider, accommodating the needs or the challenges and constraints of the actual retail facility. So let's say it's an L-shaped facility. The system can be expandable to accommodate and to maximize on storage capacity. And in doing so, we can cover more SKUs. We can reach higher, wider, longer, whatever. Some, th- some, some specific areas where a human operator, simply put, would not be able to reach. I'm not four meters mm-hmm. tall. Mm-hmm. I wish I was. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe I'd have a promising NBA career. Right. <laughs> right, right. See, there's a, so a lot of flexibility, obviously, in the in the form factor you can take and how you support a given retailer. So, and I guess that's the differentiator then for you versus other, you know, because like you said at the beginning, there's so many other micro fulfillment players, but they're all geared around the much larger form factor where almost each location is like, is like a custom build out. Yeah. And you've almost made this into almost a cookie cutter approach for the retailer. It's exactly a cookie cutter approach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's an yeah. off-the-shelf yeah. off yeah. yeah. right. solution I mean, right. with zero you're, launch you're time. You're shipping in the cart of the container that you would just drop at a stadium or at a racetrack or right. something. Yep. You literally right. just drop it. Indy 500, yeah. let's go. Yeah. You want to do this? Okay. There's somebody already yeah. there, though. No yeah. problem. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. But I think it's three main differentiators. It's size, scale. And uh, the fact that we're off the shelf, size-wise, again, we can work in a very, in practically a way smaller facility that's about the size of a standard convenience store. Scale, because the system is off the shelf, this means that it can be deployed in zero time and can easily be deployed in many, many more locations. It's practically, it's practically something that can easily be duplicated to address more crowds, wow. reaching more customers. And third, it's an off-the-shelf offering so that we are able to mass-produce these systems and be up and running faster. The, just to give you some under, general understanding on the micro-fulfillment space, a traditional facility requires around a year to just launch one single site. Hmm, it costs right. in the millions, yeah. Yeah. and it requires a lot of on-site construction. Right. Here we're talking about a plug-and-play offering that costs a fraction of the price at an OPEX commercial model, meaning hmm. we're only pay, the customer is only paying us one, a monthly usage fee, no installation fee, no hidden costs, nada. It's way right. faster and easier to adopt. I think that it's pretty much an, an adoption or an adaptation of a SaaS model mm-hmm. on a hardware and software base. Hmm. Wow. It's an adaptation. That's an interesting model. That, that, I know. We're, we're, <laughs> Ricardo and I both look at each other, and after five days of exhaustion, that that, that perked me up a yeah, lot. That's exactly. really interesting. Yeah. I, 
I didn't realize in the demonstration, you're literally an autonomous store. Yeah, I got the whole the whole pick and pack or thing, but boy, that's a that's a whole interesting you know, scenario to say yeah. the least. The retail, I think that the retail angle is clearly a very strong one for us in terms of product market fit. But we are also seeing high demand now, also from coming from upstream, meaning taking this into a DC, a facility that still is very much manually operated and incorporating our systems directly into that to address a specific line of products within the DC or to take this into industrial use cases, auto parts. Just think of an example. Let's say you're now about to board that plane taking you home, right? Right now, there's a maintenance issue. They're putting out a, a real-time request, right? Calling the maintenance crew to bring that missing part, even a tiny screw. Every single, any single minute of delay is now costing millions to the airline. Customers are now frustrated. They're, they're, they're annoyed. They're going to demand compensation. So that's a lot of, that's millions of dollars in fines. If we're able to address them with front, front, frontline warehouse that is fully automated, with full visibility into inventory, this is also a game changer for the airline industry. And that's just off the top of my head. And secured too. <laughs> yes. Right. That, right. That's yeah. such a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. Interesting. So so then if we look out into 2023 and this year and, and beyond, obviously you, you, you've got a really positive outlook on, on the potential here. I, I'm just thinking for this year in particular, how, how would you gauge the retailer interest just based on what you've seen here at the show? Are you expecting to have a really successful 2023? You think you expect to see a lot of engage, new engagements with retailers because there's a lot of pent up demand for this? So, I, yes, there's definitely huge demand for this. But being a startup, we need to be minded to the fact that we should also be focused on the markets where we are seeing the immediate, the uh, where there's a clear line of sight on the ROI we're bringing for our customers and the value to be had. If it's a nice to have, then we, we will probably not dive into any such opportunity. We're mainly addressing the businesses that have, that have an immediate need for this, whether it's driven in terms of their customers demanding faster service, whether it's because of the tight SLA that they're promising to customers and are failing to meet, or various other parameters. I would say that the immediate sectors that we are addressing are those in retail where there is a urgency for the mm -hmm. product to be had, and also an understanding on the retail side that automation is their way to go forward, their future mm -hmm. for the business. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to replace an existing warehousing automation technology stack. Contrary. On the contrary, we are happy to work alongside an MFC because we are not replacing them. It's an additional node in their supply right. chain. And we mm -hmm. see this as an right. ecosystem play. We're partnering up mm -hmm. with additional players such as Microsoft powering their tech stack, such as SAP maybe, or any other player, is an additional part in this holistic approach. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Very, yeah. Really fascinating. Wow. Looking forward to seeing how, how this plays yeah, this out for you for sure. this year. Yeah. This right. is exciting. When are you guys coming to either Israel or our, our <laughs> either de other deployments? You, you got to invite me. <laughs> I'd come in a heartbeat. Okay. We need to check two things first. Number one, that you that you are open to having lots of hummus. Number two, that you're <laughs> oh, open to drinking any time of the day. Yeah. I, I think we've got those two so, covered. So, yeah. <laughs> so funny story on that. I've never, ever, ever liked eggplant. Okay. And, and I, well, well, you'd have to see how Americans cook eggplant. And uh, I got <laughs> I got to Israel and we're having, I mean, I've never seen more hummus in my entire life. And I'm eating, there's, I'm eating this and I go, wow, what is this? And the, the waiter comes and says, well, that's... Uh, Baba Ganoush. Uh, I go, What's yes, Baba Ganoush? I love Baba Ganoush. It's yeah. eggplant. I yeah. Went, ah. yeah. 
<laughs> I'm with you, Jeff. Wonderful stuff. I'm not a fan of eggplant. Eggplant is my nemesis, my yeah. arch nemesis. But I'll eat baba ganoush all day long. I like yeah. saying it. I like eating it. So that is that is a, that is an offer I will like gladly accept. Okay, sounds good to yeah. me. Yeah, that'll work. All right. Great. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Say this has been an, an, another really special learning experience, yeah, I think, for us for sure. to to hear about what you're doing. And this is really fascinating. I'm looking forward to seeing how this grows. Ricardo, Jeff, thank you so much for this opportunity. I've been following your show for a long time now, and I love your work. Keep up your amazing energy and pretty much driving innovation across retail through your thought leadership. It's yeah. it's wilting, but we'll rally when we get home. <laughs> that's right. And, that's and right. After we recover and rest from say, this event. Special thanks to Microsoft for uh, startup, Sheesh, and, and Ricardo for what you've done up here. We're up in this beautiful suite overlooking NRF, and there have been a, a parade of startups yep. that have come through, and, and I, you've just done a fantastic job. So well done, Microsoft and she's Looking forward to uh, seeing more of what you do going forward. Yep. And then I'll also add another special thank you to Avanade for having made this series that we did possible by graciously letting us use some of your space and helping us be, be quite flexible on the timing and our ability to react quickly to use this. So thanks to, to both groups for, for helping us out on this series. Absolutely. Just to chime in, thank you also. I'd also like to thank Microsoft, our close partners for their amazing work, Shish and the rest of the team. You guys are phenomenal. Keep driving the industry forward with your forward thinking, thought leadership, and amazing work. And thank you, Ricardo and Jeff. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Safe travels. Welcome back, everyone. So, wow. Talk about endless possibilities with something that started out as just a small form factor micro-fulfillment service. I mean... I can totally see this being integrated into other stores and urban geographies and maybe by e-commerce brands trying to offer rapid delivery. So much opportunity here. Yeah, it's like I previewed at, at the start. Gunning goes through a number of use cases that I just wouldn't have thought of as micro-fulfillment as the solution for those. When you think about it, I can really see these guys taking off and being very successful. Yeah, 100%. I certainly came away learning so much about new use cases for micro-fulfillment with the way 1M Robotics can deliver it. Honestly, we, we may have to have Gonan or one of their founders come on the show next season just to give us an update on how they're doing. Absolutely. Well, Ricardo, I think that is a wrap for part four of our NRF Live crossover series. Can't wait to see how you and Jeff wrap up this next episode. Yeah, Jeff and I saved a really great, fun discussion with Greg Jones from Avanon to wrap us up with a discussion on trends we saw at NRF, plus a few thoughts on startups and retail. So tune in next time for part five. Oh, I love to hear that. So that means this episode is a wrap. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Remember to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a minute. Want to know more about what we talked about today? Take a look at the show notes for handy links and more deets. I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Twitter at KCC Golden and Ricardo underscore Belmar, or find us on LinkedIn. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Retail Razor, on LinkedIn, and on our YouTube channel for the latest updates and content. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. Thanks for joining us. And remember, there's never been a better time to be in retail if you cut through the clutter.
Until next time, this is The Retail Razor Show.